Welcome to SHIFT, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. Achievable has an affordable ACT course that includes everything you need to ace your ACT exam. A full textbook, tons of ACT practice questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now let's get started. Today we have Chris Sanderson from Sanderson Test Prep back on the show. And Chris, if you just want to tell a little bit about yourself, for those of you who may have missed your first episode, would love to uh, get this kicked off. Absolutely. Tyler, thank you for having me back. So as Tyler mentioned, my name is Chris Sanderson and my company is Sanderson Test Prep. We are an educational services company providing test prep and tutoring services uh, based out of Miami, Florida originally and uh, now expanded to a few other locations and we provide tutoring for a variety of academic subjects and a variety of standardized tests like SATs, ACTs, GREs, GMATs, MCATs, and the like. I'm excited to be back today to have another conversation. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, today we're going to talk about something that I think is really important, which is why you should rethink rejection letters, right? And I think that everybody's got, you know, I mean, rejection's never fun, but everybody's got, you know, a couple colleges that they're, they really want to go to and maybe they're a reach or maybe the one that they're, you know, they've really got their heart set on is a reach. And if they get rejected, it's, you know, it's terrible, right? But, but while I'm not telling you that it just has to be great all the time, I, I, I do think that you and I both share a, a good perspective on how to handle those rejection letters and how to think about them. So I'd love if you could start us off. Sure. So it's going to sound almost counterintuitive, but I'd love to start off by saying it's good news when you get a rejection letter. And, yeah. and at face value, that sounds like a preposterous thing to say, but let me clarify why I hold that opinion, because that is truly mm-hmm. what I believe. And and I think that the important question to ask when you get a rejection letter is why. And I think that the knee-jerk reaction from a lot of people when they get rejection from anything is, mm-hmm. oh, I got rejected because something is not good enough about me. I didn't have good enough grades or good enough scores or I'm you know, not smart enough to get into this school, or I didn't do enough extracurricular activities, or I didn't, you know, a lot of times people look at a rejection letter as an indication that there's something to be desired about what they could have done differently. And it's interpreted as, as if it's almost a personal attack that says, we don't like you, Kevin, or we don't like you, Sarah, or whatever the situation is. And that's just not the reality. And so in understanding a little bit more about the admissions process, so I'm not Mm -hmm. a college counselor, and there are college counselors who really can provide you even greater insight. And if you have the opportunity to work with a college counselor, closely someone through school who does a great job for you or a private counselor, you know, that you have the resources, um, you know, to employ for this process, they can be really instrumental in getting you to apply to the right kinds of schools that are going to be the perfect fit. Because this word fit 
gets thrown around a lot, but it's actually really meaningful. I think sometimes students lose sight of that word. Sometimes a rejection comes because it's not the right fit. And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that one is better than another. There are sometimes like situations that well beyond any of our knowledge base, but that admissions committee is looking at a student saying, I don't know if they would be that happy here. They actually take the time right. to evaluate these applications and do a very thorough job of really asking and answering that question. And they want every student who comes to university A, B, or C, wherever it is, they want students to come there to love it, to be successful, and they want to make sure that it's the right student for their school, but they also want to make sure that their school is the right environment for that student. And a lot of times that's why some of those admissions decisions are made beyond just the numbers. Because before learning more about the process, I had this overly simplistic notion in my mind that every admissions committee stacked up applications on a table and a large stack and it was in order of GPA or it was in order of SAT score. And then they just put a little, you know, line in the stack at a certain point and grabbed everything, you know, above that point and put it in the yes column and grabbed everything else and wiped it off the table aggressively into a garbage can and said, ha, 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 look at how many people we rejected. I thought it was so numbers-based and simplistic, and it's really not. They put so much effort into evaluating applications fully and really trying to get to know every applicant and really trying to answer that question. Will they be successful and will they be happy when they come to university A, B, or C? And so when you get a rejection, it just means it might not have been the right fit. And that also means that you're not going to accidentally end up in the wrong place that you're unhappy with. So occasionally it happens, but the numbers on that are very low. You know, the success mm -hmm. rate that admissions committees have by accepting students who go to university A, B, or C and really enjoy it and mm -hmm. thrive there is by and large, that's the vast, 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 vast majority of instances, and it is because they take that time. So my thoughts on rejection letters are that rejection letters can be good news because rejection mm -hmm. letters just mean that you're not going to end up in a place that's the wrong fit. Right. I also think there's a couple other aspects of it, too. Um, I mean, an analogy that I... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. We'll roll with this analogy. Let's go. Um, it's, I'm excited. It's it's kind of it's kind of like dating, and I mean, if you're a high school student, mm -hmm. dating might be a little different than it is as an adult. But generally speaking, you don't want to date everybody. Correct. You you would you know if you were to throw a number out there, let's say you want to date like you would you would be interested in a quarter of the people that are eligible to you, regardless of kind of your orientation, etc. And then out of the, those, that quarter, you would actually be happy with, I don't know, call it half, right? Or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So like now we're down to one out of eight, mm -hmm. right? And that's just like life. Like there's a lot of things in life that are like that where um, it's not, you know, it's not you. It's just the situation. And it's about, you know, that fit just kind of is something that when it's obvious, it usually hits you over the head. And if it's not obvious, then it's not obvious, right? And you can still maybe not feel like a school is a super great fit and then go there and love it, right? Like, that's that's totally possible, too. Um, but just, like, don't be, you know, the default is, you know, 
a, a fraction of the places in the world that you could apply to for college are going to be a good fit for you. Right. right? The, the, there's no person on earth where a hundred percent of colleges would be a good fit for them because, you know, they could go to Caltech or they could go to Arizona state. And those are very different schools. With Correct. Very different atmospheres, <laughs> right? So it's, it, it's important to keep that in mind. It's just kind of a life lesson, I guess, if I don't want to get too preachy. No, I, um, I do think it is an important life lesson. And I also think that, you know, the other aspect of it that, I think sometimes people maybe misinterpret would be the numerical aspect because schools publish their acceptance rates. And so Mm -hmm. when you're applying to really selective schools that have an acceptance rate of 5% or 8%, you know, or, you know, something like that, a lot of people interpret that, let's use 10% or 20% just as easier round numbers, right? But a lot of people interpret a 10% acceptance rate as, that's how many of the applications that they received were applications from candidates who were qualified to go there. And that is not what a 10% acceptance rate means. Of, right. of those applications, the vast majority are qualified because most people, and I'm sure there are outliers occasionally, but most people, if you have a 2.1 GPA and you have uh, 980 on your SAT. I mean, just the reality is you're probably not applying to Harvard, right? Yeah. And so most schools just by their nature, especially because so much of that information is available and you can go on college boards website and look through big future and you can, you know, do searches online and you can, you know, you can purchase books and you can read, you know, all the school rankings. And I mean, they, they publish so much information, you know, that most applicants have a pretty good idea if they've got a shot of getting in and so Mm -hmm. if you don't have a realistic chance you're probably not submitting an application because guess what applications they're very expensive they're very time consuming they require a lot of effort to just fill out all the information and write the corresponding essays and so forth so a 10 percent acceptance rate means out of 10 applicants one was a great fit for that school Nine were realistically very qualified individuals for a variety of reasons, but not the right fit for a variety of reasons. And mm-hmm. that's what the applic- uh, that's what the admissions committee is doing with those applications. They're saying, of these, which one's the ideal fit? And so they're sifting through trying to put students in what we talked about, the best position for success and happiness and to achieve the most and so forth and so on. And some of it is, you know, what they refer to in terms of, you know, like uh, a campus diversity. We oftentimes think of diversity in terms of demographics, you know, like Mm -hmm. age, race, religion, you know, like gender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they're looking also at diversity of experience. And so in a given year, that might mean that to get that balance that they're trying to achieve Maybe there is a preference for somebody who's from a more rural area instead of somebody who's, you know, from a larger city. Maybe there is a preference for somebody who has a greater interest in fine arts than somebody who has a greater interest in sports because of what they've mm-hmm. got going on on their campus or what they're trying to promote or what they're trying to invite in people who will become engaged and involved with on their campus. So some of those conversations happen based on those outside factors that have nothing to do with whether you got an A on your science test last week or whether you could have gotten 10 extra points on your SAT. And I think students and, and parents sometimes can be, you know, a little hard on themselves when they 
receive that rejection letter because they think that they could have done something different. The reality is most of the time you couldn't have. It just wasn't the right fit. And numbers wise, a 10% acceptance rate doesn't mean 90% of applicants were not qualified. It is mm-hmm. more realistic to say that 100% of the applicants were probably qualified or very close to it. 10% were the right fit. And I think that distinction is really helpful for students and parents, <laughs> which I think is important. I think both parties, you know, have to wrap their head around, you know, understanding what that means, you know, because even if you look at right. it numerically, if you had perfect grades, perfect scores, perfect extracurricular involvement, perfect everything, you're the best at everything. If you applied to the top 10 schools and they all had 10% acceptance rates, you should get into one of them. That's what right. that's what that number means. And a lot of people, you know, have that expectation that if I'm really great, I should get in everywhere. And that's just not realistic. Yeah. And that kind of leads to another point that I um, wanted to make here, which is that if essentially if you get into every single school that you apply to, you probably didn't aim high enough. Right. So like when you're starting the process, you sh- you're all you should already be prepared for rejections, particularly from your reach schools, because that's the point. Like you, you Absolutely. should be taking, you should be taking some three pointer shots, right. To go back to a basketball analogy, you know, if it's in, you know, maybe you're taking one half court shot, right. But at the end of the day, like you do, you'll be happy that you took those shots, but then you can't be upset when they don't work because they were lower probability shots. Right. And, you know, kind of look, it's, it's that it's when you're structuring your college list where I think a lot of people say, Oh, you know, my chances of getting into Harvard are pretty low, but like, it's not zero. So I want to give it a shot. But then six months later, they're like, Oh my God, I got rejected by Harvard. This is the worst day of my life. And it's like, well, you already knew that it was a long shot. Mm-hmm. You just kind of you got so emotionally invested in it, right? And that's kind of the that's like I think the the feedback that I would have too is is that you you should be seeing rejection letters when you apply to colleges, or else you're probably you might be leaving money on the table, right? Not mm-hmm. actual money, but like you know proverbial money. And, and then, some, sometimes actual, depending on, <laughs> depending, right. depending on, you know, scholarship depending opportunities stu- and so forth. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you, you should be trying to push the edge envelope a little bit. Um, and then that means that it's not always going to work. And that's kind of the point. Agreed. And to bring it back around to your dating analogy from before, but I think that is, you know, reflective of the same kind of thing, which is mm. a lot of times somebody might have an indication that somebody likes them, right? Right. Again, think, you know, picture picture the air quotes air on this, quotes. but somebody <laughs> likes them, you know, for whatever that means to someone. But in, in a school context, that might mean that a school has sent you promotional material. They've sent you, you know, emails. They've sent you physical mails. They've sent you packages they've you know they've invited you to apply they've done something to indicate they really want you to go there they waived an application fee you know you have awareness of for example like in florida there's Mm -hmm. you know like um you know like programs in place for people where you can with a certain gpa and with a certain score and is outlined very clearly you can qualify for different tiers you know like of scholarship And so something like that, 
like is something where people have an idea of where they stand at certain schools and sometimes that is probably the easier and safer route if i know that so and so has a crush on me i know that if i ask them to go to the dance i've got a better chance at getting a yes you know right. but there are also going to be those situations where you say well so and so has a crush on me but i've got a crush on so and so and i wanted to maybe give give that a shot first let me ask them to the dance and see what kind of response i get and mm-hmm. and there is going to be a greater likelihood for rejection when you don't know and most of the time you don't know because right. in the grand scheme of applications most schools are going to publish their numbers and you have an idea of where you stand but that does not always translate into an automatic yes or an automatic no so it should sort of be treated like everything's an i don't know situation and there should always be that opportunity for rejection just logically thinking about it you know it you never want that to be something that blindsides you because it's you know it just numerically they're very open about the number of applications they receive and the number of acceptances and rejections that they put out there and it should be something that we're all prepared for heading into the process. Yeah. And, and I think just in general, like this is, um, the, like, you know, we're just bouncing between analogies, but like to go back to the, to the sports analogy too, you know, a fantastic baseball player will hit three out of 10 balls, you know, um, let's like, I just am for fun. I just pulled up like Steph Curry career stats you know, his career field goal percentage is 58%, mm-hmm. right? This guy is the best person to shoot the basketball in our lifetime, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't think anybody, it's pretty rare to be 100% asking girls to the dance either. Right. <laughs> right? So it's, in life, there's just a element of chance or luck or whatever you want to call it that is just a part of life, right? And it's and it's not you shouldn't take it so personally, basically. Right. And I also think that some of it I look at temporally for students when they're entering into that application process because I think that so much build up and so much emphasis gets put on this idea of getting into university A, B, or C. And junior year, as everyone knows, is so competitive and so rigorous and so demanding and exhausting <laughs> and yeah. you, you you trudge your way through that and you do everything you're supposed to and you participate in all the clubs and you study for these standardized tests and you get good grades and you you know you, you do everything and you you get to the point where you click submit on that application after filling out all the biographical information and writing all the different essays and trying to think of a personal essay topic and you you get all the way to that submit button and then you hit submit and then when you get that response, it feels like that's the end of that process, is that someone says yes or someone says no. But then you have to actually live with that yes. When you get the yes, <laughs> like a lot of people forget that that means you're going to have to go to this school and be there. And that's where I think that shift in mindset should come in for looking at a rejection letter differently because a rejection letter doesn't mean you couldn't go here and couldn't do well. A rejection letter Mm -hmm. means that 
we don't think that this is where you would be your happiest or at your best or able to achieve the most in this environment. And I think it's, you know, I, I would invite anyone, you know, uh, you know, to try to, you know, continue out, you know, the analogy, look at it in a relationship context, look at your favorite celebrity, someone who you think's amazing, someone who you think's, you know, great looking and smart and funny and cool and just, you know, you like everything about them as a celebrity and go check out their Wikipedia and look at their, you know, history of relationships. It's likely not the case that they had just one perfect successful relationship, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's likely the case right. that, or that all their movies were good, that with all of their amazing features, they still weren't the right fit in certain situations. You know, and I, yeah. I think that you can be a truly amazing kid applying to a school that would be so excited to have you and so worthy of your presence and you would bring a lot to the table, but it might not be the perfect fit. And we actually like the fact that applications are the hassle that they are, to be honest, because it means that schools are a little bit better with a little bit more information at making that decision as to, hey, we think you would come here and crush it. We would love for you to come here. And hey, you're awesome, but this isn't going to be the right place for you. So, you know, we're going to take a pass at the moment um, for your sake. And I think that that realization is, is a really helpful one for applicants because when you have that realization, I do think that it it can change that into making you feel more positive about the place that does say yes. Right. Because when you do get that acceptance, they have also put in that work. They didn't just look at your GPA and go, oh, 3.6, cool. Everyone else here has a 3.4, so you're in. We don't care who you are. They're also taking that time to say, it's not just your 3.6. We actually like everything about you. We want mm -hmm. you to come here because we think you are awesome. We've, you know, we've evaluated all of those pages of stuff that we forced you to fill out, which I know it gets a little bit daunting at the time. But there's good reason behind it. And it's because when you get that yes, that's a meaningful yes. Because that really is a school that wants you and everything that comprises who you are. Not just a score, not just a grade, not just, you know, like because you play it on a certain team. You know, not just a picture, not just, you know, an essay, not just in any individual piece. But collectively, they're really evaluating it in the aggregate to say you are the perfect fit for us here at university a b or c yeah i love that great this has been shift a college admissions podcast for a changing world hosted by tyler from achievable with chris sanderson from sanderson test prep achievable has a great act course that you can try for free at achievable.me and you can use the code podcast to get 10 percent off at checkout